Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Earrings Off. We want to invite you to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. You can find us on Facebook at Earrings Off Podcast and on Instagram at The Earrings Off Podcast. Welcome to Earrings Off. I'm Lou. And I'm Teresa. Let's get started. Well, hello. We are here today and we have with us Sibongile in Nigako. And Sibongile is a Harvard-educated corporate financial technology and compliance executive who leverages her expertise and background to help empower women professionally, personally, and financially. Sibongile believes that multifaceted women can accomplish tremendous things with compassionate support. She uses her expertise and and authenticity to empower women in all aspects of life. Sibongile focuses on promoting inclusivity in the workplace as an ally and advocate of female perspectives. So welcome to Earrings Off. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. We look forward to today's discussion because any information that we can share with women, with our audience, which puts them in a better position financially, thus making them a bit more powerful to make independent decisions. We are all over that. So again, thanks for joining us today. So we're going to jump right in. Sabongale, talk to us a bit about how to build generational wealth as a woman. Yes. Um, So I find that paying yourself first is so important. That's something that I've talked about um, in my own podcast and and just generally. Uh, My mother always told me that when I was growing up and I never quite knew what that meant, frankly, (laughs) like how do I practically apply that? But when I became an adult, I realized that that means a few things. One, are you leveraging savings? Are you leveraging 401k plans if, if you have an employer-sponsored plan? What are some of the ways that you can basically stash 10 to 20% of your money, of your paycheck, such that you're not even seeing it to, to be able to spend it? It's actually accumulating kind of passively, quote unquote, I, I, I'd call it. And you'd just be surprised how that kind of tactic can, can help you accumulate money over time without really having to think about it or without really having to feel the absence of that money because you're getting it to your checking account and then having to take a separate step of putting it into savings or money market account or some such thing. The other thing I I, I think about in terms of generational wealth is just keeping an eye on your money. And I mean that, frankly, in all respects, right? So if you do have debt, if you do have credit cards, are you being charged the correct APR on your credit cards? Mm. What are the APRs on your credit cards? That's particularly important when it comes down to paying down debt. You want to always start with the highest interest debt first. But even in other aspects, are you checking the balances in your various accounts? Are you making sure that no fraud is happening, especially now with all the attacks and, you know, so many things can go wrong, whether, you know, by some bad actor or by the banks themselves, banks make mistakes. So looking at your balances on if you have 
you know, lending products that have rewards, are you getting the, you know, points that you're supposed to? So just really having the mindset of keeping an eye on your money in all respects, I think can really serve women in particular well. And even more so if you have a joint account with a spouse or domestic partner, you know, if you're contributing money to account, are you fully aware of how that money is being spent and how it's being allocated? And then build a freedom fund. And so I call this, and this is kind of linked to paying yourself first. Mm -hmm. I view the purpose of paying yourself first is freedom, right? It's so Mm -hmm. that you can, you know, make decisions without being encumbered by debt, without, you know, having to think about the finances of your decisions necessarily, you know, as the guiding, the only guiding factor. So build that freedom fund, which is basically just my moniker for, you know, an emergency fund, savings, however you want to call it, money that you can readily access in the event, not just for emergencies, but in the event that you want to make a career change. And right. Want to make a job change, or you want to make some other decision that's in your best interest or your family's best interest, mm-hmm. without having to say, "Gosh, I can't do that because I need the, I need the next paycheck." Um, right. so, so, in my mind, building that generational wealth and having that mindset is paying yourself first, accumulating that money so that you have, and certainly mm-hmm. investing it when you get to that point when when you're ready, so that you have that wealth to to pass on, and just really mm-hmm. be mindful and intentional about how you, you, you accumulate and spend your money. That that's very good. Because I tell you, as you were talking, I was thinking years ago, when I took a position, the lady over me was an African-American female older than I was. And I'm telling you, I, she probably, when I think about it now, she probably broke some kind of HR rules, but she was adamant about my check. And me putting away money because she was, she, she was all up in my business. She was, I mean, worse than a bill collector about it. She, (laughs) she talked to me about it all the time. She even had a professional come in that I didn't know was coming to sit down and talk to me about my finances and the fact that I should maximize every benefit that they were offering me and that I would get used to this money not being in my check if I never saw it. And to this day, I just thank her for caring enough to be be inappropriate, acting (laughs) against HR rules, all up in my business because she cared for me as a young professional woman. And it made such an impact. Uh, in terms of the decisions that I made later, because I didn't grow up in a family that I that that was a, a topic we talked about. That was her caring enough to share her knowledge. And when I wasn't getting it, she overstepped to make sure that she brought in a professional who could better explain what she was trying to get across to me. I, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. So what are the top five financial challenges women face? And talk a little bit about how to overcome them. Sure. Um, Mm -hmm. So obviously, there's a lot of discussion about the wage gap right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even in 2022, women are still making only 84% um, of what um, men make. And when you look at that in terms of race, it, the, it's, it's even mm-hmm. more staggering, frankly, and, and, and sometimes a little discouraging, if I'm honest. Right. So the wage gap certainly 
I would say career progression generally, women tend not to be promoted as frequently as men. And obviously that can cut into you know, financial security, financial independence, mm-hmm. parenthood, motherhood, often the, the burden of that falls more so on women than on men. And that can also have a, a career impact. So I would say that's another uh, challenge that we have. Also, I think there's a tendency for women to, to be conditioned really to make do and so that inhibits yeah. us in terms of asking for what we want, whether it's financial or otherwise, and can also inhibit our success, even, even at work when, you know, if our male counterpart would ask for the resources he needs or ask for the tools that he needs, and we're not doing that, that can also have both a professional and financial impact. And then finally, I would say just generally confidence. I saw a statistic that only 14% of women feel knowledgeable about investing. And so I think there's a big kind of confidence gap, frankly, in terms of, you know, being comfortable, not just accumulating money, but investing money. Sometimes we're afraid to ask questions even. And I think, frankly, all of that gets addressed by really knowing your financial and professional worth. So this is something I talk about a lot, and that is you know, empowering yourself to, to, you know, make good decisions on your own behalf, but also just putting a premium and being really intentional on your own financial independence and your own financial autonomy and your own financial security. I think, you know, some of these things are societal, frankly, Mm -hmm. and it's going to take a longer time to overcome. But I think if we as women empower ourselves to educate about investing, to uh, you know, progress our own careers in a way that's you know, dare I say, ambitious or you know, mm-hmm. just ag- aggressive, for lack of a better word. Not, but mm-hmm. to feel empowered to be able to pursue our own financial and professional health and independence. That will go a long way in helping women overcome uh, challenges that we face that are both financial and professional, frankly. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I tell you, this um, topic today is um, it's always important, but I think even more so for me today, it's, it's fresh because recently I, I know of a young lady who's, well, in her 50s and her husband died, leaving her with four children. And she's not worked outside the home. And there is a community rallying around her to try to support. But that's a lot. And now... Yeah. She's going to have to navigate a whole new world, um, not only in terms of being a single parent, but she's not uh, earned an income outside of the household. You know, that these are, um, I mean, certainly important information because so many times we're taught as women that we're being selfish if we are aggressive, if we do pursue, um, you know, our career. And at the end of the day, you have to be able to earn some type of income or at least ha- at least have access to money because that the reality is things cost you know and you're going to have to be able to you know look out for your family and look out for yourself so yeah when i when i heard about that recently it's just it's just devastating so mm-hmm. yeah thank thank you for that talk to us a bit about the impact on your financial health when you can when you succumb to the temptation to prematurely inflate your lifestyle yeah so living within your means is just kind of a motto <laughs> 
fine, right? It's it's like to financial independence, to generational wealth, to you know just starting out on the right foot in life. Because there's a big temptation, frankly, especially with social media. Oh, oh my, yeah, so much more than we used to yeah. 10, 20, 30 years ago. And, you know, have illusions of grandeur and aspiration that, you know, I, I want that Gucci thing or, you know, what, right, right, right. What label thing, you know, floats your boat. But you have to think long term, right? You have to think strategic and you have to think long term. And I always say financial independence is, you know, is strategy, not chance. It's a choice, not an accident. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of pay me now, now pay me later. You can certainly mm-hmm. indulge in certain things. But you have to always be thinking of what impact is this having on my financial health? If I have an emergency, uh, will I be able to fly to see an an relative or will I be able to take care of the the leaky roof? And know that everything you do, including how you spend your money, has its consequence. So I think if we as women, but just people generally stay mindful, that kind of grounds us in reality and helps us resist those temptations of things that are flashy. And, you know, the reality is, look, I mean, I have, I I see finances as an ebb and flow. And so there may be things that you prioritize. You want, you know, a vacation and you save up for that vacation. Plan for how you're going to pay for that vacation, or you want to treat yourself with a spa visit, or you want to, you know, treat yourself with a nice bag, something, you know, something like that, whatever, wherever you find your bliss. It's not that those things are completely off limits or out of bounds. It's just that you have to be thoughtful and intentional about those things and not, you know, assume that you'll always be able to do them, but see it as an ebb and flow of saving and spending. That's how I think Mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. Mm Now I'm starting to feel better um, about <laughs> the savings I have from my Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> on the right track, Teresa. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier um, fiscal autonomy. What do you mean when you reference fiscal autonomy and especially as it relates to women? So really what I mean by that, Teresa, is financial independence. Okay. okay? How do we achieve financial independence? And by financial independence, I mean a few things. One, are you empowered to make decisions about your money, period? Are you, or are you, you know, do you have to succumb to somebody else's influence on that? But then also, are you able to put yourself in a position where, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, you don't have to make life, major life decisions on the basis of whether you have enough money in the bank. Mm-hmm. You have that freedom. And it's a process, like it takes a while to get there. And and so it's not an overnight thing. But it's really about how financially independent are you? Are you empowered to make decisions? And can you make life decisions, decisions that are your best interest, without Mm -hmm. having to excessively worry about, you know, the, 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 the economic impact of it? And, you know, ultimately, it's all with the goal of being able to live off of passive income, you know, in your retirement, whenever you choose to get to that state. But it's really about, you know, autonomy of your financial decisions and your financial life generally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice. Thank you for that. Um, How did your upbringing impact your views on how to be a successful financial advocate? Talk to us a bit about that. Absolutely. So it's one of those things where you, you know, learn 
partly by osmosis, not what not to do. A lot of folks just find themselves in yeah. that, that situation, frankly. So, you know, I came up, I'm born and bred in New York, came, uh, came up in a middle class family where my mother was the breadwinner, two parent household, but, but mom was, was bringing home most, most of the bacon. And we should have, I was an only child. And, you know, by all accounts, we should have had enough money to live a comfortable lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I talk about living, you know, within your means versus mm-hmm. not your means, I think my parents fell victim to that. So mm-hmm. at one time we had five cars. Um, they wow. had yeah, two parents, one child, five cars. That's, that's, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, at one point, uh, you know, we had very high interest debt in the form of home equity loans and lines of credit from predatory lenders, which were rampant, especially back then. It was really an instance of of not living, my parents not living within their means, not prioritizing. And that had a big impact on me because especially as an only child of that situation, I felt guilt, I felt shame. You know, I felt like it was my fault that they were in this economic situation. You know, if I I wasn't around, they might've been better off, you know, that kind of thing. And it it really Mm -hmm. um, gets in your, a a child's psyche, frankly. How you see yourself. And so I think, you know, I, I've been working since I was 13. So below, below the legal age, I was a counselor yeah. at a computer camp. But I think it what what the, the effect that that had on me is that it instilled in me, you know, a, a need to be financially independent, to be financially stable, and again, to be thoughtful, intentional about my about about how I spent my money, how I accumulated my money, but also how I spent my money. Um, and certainly as a mom now, I'm a mom of three. So like that is just p- paramount in terms of, um, you know, having the goal of work and wealth accumulation, being being able to 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 have security for my family and, and pass on that generational wealth that we, we um, talked about earlier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That, um, so long delay. How... When you do your financial counseling or you talk to people, what do you, I guess what I, what I want to know is what's the typical resistance that you see when you're working with people? I think so. I don't work just for full disclosure with people directly from a coaching mm-hmm. standpoint. Mm-hmm. I see myself more as an advocate and okay. empowerment and financial standpoint. But with okay. that, I do think the biggest hurdle, because it's funny, I had um, a financial coach on my on one of my recent episodes, mm-hmm. um, Chiante Jones, who, mm-hmm. uh, just to plug her, dollars and change, financial coaching. Okay. And I think we, we were talking about that it's, it's confidence. It's like a mindset, right? So a lot of times it's not lack of money per se or lack of income or lack of funds that gets women in particular. It's this mindset of you know not feeling confident, not knowing what to do, not understanding how to budget. So mm-hmm. what I say and what she and I were talking about is that budgeting obviously is key. If you're finding that you don't have enough money just to cover your basic expenses from month to month, take a look at your money and take a look at how you're spending it. Because nine times out of 10, it's a budgeting issue. It's not that you need more money. Mm-hmm. Oh, that could certainly be the case. It's, it's a budgeting thing. Sorry, Lou, go ahead. Well, and what I've found with people is that because the budgeting is intimidating or because they don't know, they know they don't have enough money at the end of the month, they ignore it. That doesn't make it going to go away. It doesn't, doesn't make it any better because you don't want to deal with it. 
And I've seen that in people. Yeah. Yeah. I think my my parents and my mother, especially, frankly, felt fell victim to that where, you know, it was so daunting and so right. overwhelming. That was like the ostrich way of budget management, which is just right. put your head in the sand and, and pretend like it's not happening. But to your point, Lou, that doesn't make it go away. That, in fact, makes it worse. Right. And it actually makes you feel more out of control because because you, you don't have a handle on what's going on. Um, then it just it feels like it's spiraling out of control. Whereas if you have that mindset and make the decision to say, look, I'm going to take control of my finances. It's going to be murky. It's going to be ugly. I'm waiting. You know, I'm going to wade through. And I've certainly had times like that in my adult life when it's oh, like, so have I. Absolutely. Right. You know, it's like, yeah. Love, you know what I mean? Where you know you don't know how you're going to make it happen, but just mm-hmm. the act of taking control of your finances in and of itself, that first step can just do do wonders, really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I think what you said about, you know, well, sometimes it can be intimidating. And so people sometimes want to put their head in the sand. But also as women, we even if you... I mean, so how do I put this? But, you know, if you if you're with a man or you believe that you're financially set, you need to make sure you have access to some funds. I am uh, older than both you and Teresa, and I have seen some things with women who have totally relied on men believing that they've got everything taken care of. Sometimes it's been okay, but I have seen some ugly things. I believe it. I mean, even in like, you know, on TV, like you turn on right. Netflix, you can probably right, find right. movies right. in life where you see right. this kind of thing play out all the time. And that is also what I mean when I said keep an eye on your money earlier. Right. right. If you are sharing a household with someone and there are accounts that your household is relying on, you should know what's going You You should know absolutely. What's that's right. You should absolutely know what's going on. You should absolutely know how money is being spent. And if you're not comfortable with it and you feel safe doing so, you should speak up and say something and try to get a hold of the situation. Right. Right. Yeah. So thank you. Just, just very good, solid uh, information. And uh, what's the name of your podcast? Because I want to make sure we give a shout out to that as well and encourage people to go there and visit. Yes, thank you. It's Fem Power You um, with Sibongile Ngako. Okay, wow. And we will be sure and include that. Um, do you have any parting words for our audience? Anything you want to share? Yeah, I would just say that this whole discussion around finances, money, financial independence, it's daunting. It's scary. And I'd be lying if I said that it wasn't. Yeah. But it's incumbent upon us as women to take the reins and try to overcome that feeling of fear, because you may find that once you get into actually con- you know, having better control of your finances, it's not quite as scary as you thought it might be. It's just the, the idea of it that was scary. So if you feel scared, if you feel afraid, that's all normal and that's fine. The important thing is to take that first step and get control of your finances and, and, and move your way step-by-step step towards financial independence. And it's never too late, right? Absolutely. hundred percent. Thanks again for being with us here today at Earrings Off. It's certainly been uh, great information. And we so appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule to talk with us. So you take good care. Thank you, Lou. Thanks, Teresa.